the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and I have safely... Returned from the dentist this morning, which uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things that affects your whole day, doesn't it? But fortunately, the Novocaine has worn off. I don't have to talk like this, which is sometimes what I think about. I'm one of those people, whenever I go to the dentist, for some reason, they have to load me up with so much Novocaine if they got to do any drilling or fixing stuff. And uh, it just doesn't affect me at first. The first shots, you know, it's like, uh, I don't don't get it. But uh, anyway... Uh, that I just need to get that off of my chest. It's kind of where I am, and our show is personal, isn't it? We get to know each other very well. Today is Open Line Friday. Open Line Friday. Welcome to Open Line Friday. That means you can call about any subject you like. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And uh, we, uh, you can change the subject. You can ask a question about the Bible. Maybe you've got a comment about something in the news. Uh, anything on your mind at all. Today is your day. Maybe you didn't get to follow up on a subject early in the week, and we can bring some stuff back up. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Uh, all right, in the news today, one of the uh, there's lots of different issues, uh, isn't there? And uh, apparently we've got some kind of uh, rockets fired in Syria and other things. Uh, maybe we'll get to that here a little bit later. I want to talk about the Parents' Bill of Rights and what you should know. And really, in a, in a better way, there's a lot of politics related to this because the House of Representatives passed the Parents' Bill of Rights, and uh, they're celebrating that, except that the Senate says they're not even going to take it up. So they passed it, but it's not law. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, and that's something that, that I've noticed uh, that both parties will do sometimes is they will they will pass a bill in one chamber. But when the other chamber is controlled by the other party and has no intention of passing it, then uh, it's not going to actually become law. Right. Or if the president plans to veto it and there's not a uh, if there's not anybody, not enough people to override the veto. So be careful about presentations when things get presented in such a way that it sounds like something got passed and something got done when really it only got sort of halfway done and it didn't really get there uh, in a certain way. And that's one of the things I want to talk about in this section here because there's some politics that I think for all of us we should know about. We should understand kind of what both sides are, are doing. There are some statements that are made, and I'm waiting for some clips to get up here. I'll play them for you here in a minute. But there are some statements that are made that are sometimes true Sometimes they're not true, uh, and sometimes there is, they're true, but not in the way that you think, and I'll explain that in a second. One of the things that happened today that I thought, and it happened uh, in, in the chamber yesterday and, in, um, and it happened in a press conference today, 
there were books that are presented that have been uh, banned or pulled from school library shelves over the last couple of years, and they are being presented as harmless um, or errors or as some kind of uh, really bad agenda. And I want to go through that because actually some of the books that are that were pulled should not have been pulled, in my opinion. And the people pulling them were ignorant of what's going on. Some of the books should have been pulled, and so it's wrong, I think, to say, or at least there's a good argument from one side that says it should be pulled. I think most parents would like it to be pulled. And uh, there's also another a political thing where this happens a lot, where one side – uh, and this happens in political campaigns sometimes, and you should be aware of it, that sometimes people sabotage their own campaign in order to claim that the other side sabotaged their campaign. This happened in San Diego in a congressional race a couple of years ago where somebody uh, broke into and started a fire in uh, one person's campaign office. And that campaign came out and said, oh, our opponent is doing this and our opponent is encouraging violence with his rhetoric and this and that. Turned out they did it to themselves. And they created that situation in order to just blame the other side. It was a completely uh, uh, falsified, you know, what they call that now, a false flag type of thing. This happens all the time, by the way, right? This is like people go and they, uh, you know, they like the Jesse Smollett thing, right? Where people, you know, he got attacked by uh, people wearing MAGA hats in Chicago. Nobody owns a MAGA hat in Chicago. That should have been the first clue. And it was all fake to make some other kind of point. One of these books um, that is being said is, why are you banning this book? That was, that was the reason why, actually. So we'll get to that. And, and I think it's important that we see through it. This is, and this is a big deal, I think, for, for us as believers. And the reason isn't just for our own hearts, okay? This isn't just for who we are as, uh, you know, just for ourselves between us and the Lord. The reason that we need to be aware of this is because we have people in our life who might disagree with us on the issues of the day. They might disagree with us on different things. You might find yourself in a conversation with them. At the end of the day, the goal is not to simply just defend your side. Your goal is to be persuasive, not to win people to your side, but to win people to Christ. Like there is something far more important, even in our casual conversations, that matters with our own credibility, our own ability, I think, to to tame down conversations, particularly in a time like this where everything seems to be right and left, and we're pushing each other towards the right and left, and we're calling each other fascists, and we're calling each other Marxists, and, you know, some of that might be true, some of it might not be true, but we need to get down to it. Okay, so this is this is what I'm getting at here. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, House Speaker, uh, today came out and championed this bill being passed. Well, what's very interesting is that the Democrats thought it was too extreme. Actually, here he's going to, let's see, is this where he says? You now have a say in your kids' education. You get the warning. There's any violence on the campus. You get to know where the money is being spent. You need to get to know what the reading materials are. And you get to protect your children's privacy as well. That's the basic idea of the Parents' Bill of Rights. It would affirm a parent's right to address the local school board and would require educational officials to provide parents with lists of books and other curriculum materials, online budgetary information and alerts about incidents of violence at their kid's school, and schools would also have to notify parents if their child uses a different name or pronoun at school. And it passed, barely passed, 213 yes and 208 no. Now, I would think that those things are that most of us would, most parents if you're liberal or conservative, 
would want to know that you have the right to address a school board. You currently have that right. So one of the points that the Democrats will make is that they're passing a law about something you already have a right to. And uh, that is true, but there's some concern that that might, right might be taken away from you or that you're going to be intimidated into not going. Um, education officials provide parents with lists of books and other curriculum materials. Uh, there are different rules for that around the country, but it's also something that gets hidden a lot. I actually worked myself with a school district uh, with a parent-teacher organization who was wondering how certain books got into the library, and it turned out that the librarian on her own was sneak- literally sneaking books in and classifying them in ways that could not be seen. And a parent group demanded and finally got a list of titles. And it was pretty shocking to those parents. And those parents weren't all Republicans, right? They were, they were Republicans and Democrats. And, and they really had to ask, why is this being hidden? And, you know, if something is being hidden from you, there's probably a reason. And it's usually or at least often not a good reason. And that's what they discovered. Um, Kevin McCarthy, of course, criticized the uh, Democrats and their response to it. What's very interesting is that the Democrats thought it was too extreme. That the Democrats believed that parents shouldn't have a say in their kids' education and to actually know what the reading material is. Democrats believed that was extreme. Democrats didn't believe that uh, in this bill we say parents have a right to be heard, that they should be able to go to school board meetings and not be called terrorists that they could have a say, but Democrats thought that was too extreme. Parents should have a right to know where their tax dollars are being spent in the schools, the budgets. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. That was Kevin McCarthy's uh, view on the Parents' Bill of Rights. And, uh, of course, the Democrats had their own response. This is Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, who said this. But today, extreme MAGA Republicans passed a bill that puts politics over parents and will ban books, censor librarians, and bully children. It's shameful. Rather than actually invest in empowering parents, making sure parents have the opportunity to be engaged and involved in the education of their children, the extreme MAGA Republicans want to jam their right-wing ideology down the throats of students, teachers, and parents throughout America. All right. So that is the Democratic response to the uh, Parents' Bill of Rights. Are all Republicans extreme MAGA Republicans? I mean, that, that's the that's the uh, the politics of it, right? Is we're going to be name callers uh, of uh, this group of people, and they're trying to take a different tact toward what this is about. Now, deep down. And we need to be certain about this. There is an agenda with our kids. And in most places, we're talking about the far left that controls a lot of what is happening in education today. And by far left, I'm, I don't mean liberals, although some would be, but I'm talking about the far left. And so what Hakeem Jeffries is doing is trying to shift it around to saying, well, the far right is the one pushing this down. So the argument is who is trying to indoctrinate who? is kind of where both sides are going. I feel like most of us, like almost all of us, are somewhere in the place of, actually, I would really like to know what my kids are looking at, and I certainly don't think they should be looking at pornography at certain ages, and we do have questions. Don't you have questions about age appropriateness of certain materials? Certainly you do. I don't think among parents 
there's a whole lot of disagreement. But I think that there are agendas that are on the left and the right that are different that are creating problems in both ways. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. It is Open Line Friday. I'll take your call on any subject at all. And I see a couple of calls up there. I'll get back to you in a minute. Uh, I want to get started on this subject here and your thoughts. And, and this is the direction I wanted to go is because Hakeem Jeffries then held up a series of books that have been, you know, banned is the wrong term. None of them have been banned. Uh, some of them were at one point frozen uh, from different libraries and in some cases were brought back. Some, some brought back very quickly, but some not brought back for as much as a year. And there's some questions as to why it took so long. Like if there's a book that might be controversial or a parent has a complaint, some of these are kids' books and it would take two minutes to figure out if there's something wrong with it and it took a year. So there are problems with that. So he held up a few different books. And I think what this does is it presents us an opportunity to ask some questions about how we are approaching this, because we must not be ignorant about this. I think that we should not just simply trust one group or the other either. And we should realize that some of these books, almost everybody would agree, need to go. And then some of these books, there's more a discussion about what is appropriate for different ages. All right. So this is the first book that he talked about. Extreme MAGA Republicans want to ban books on the Holocaust. Ban books on the Holocaust. All right. So he says extreme MAGA Republicans want to ban books on the Holocaust. That's that's not true, but he's holding up one book. Okay. There's one book. It's called Mouse, M-A-U-S. Did you read this book? I never read this book. Apparently, this has been a, a book that is popular in middle school age and older, and it's kind of a, a comic book story, but it tells the story about the Holocaust. And maybe you have something to say about it. What I understand is it's actually a pretty good book and that it is something that is that many parents have believed is age appropriate. It got pulled out of one school district, at least. There might be some others. And what's another thing we're talking about here with these books? It's not like it's happening everywhere. It's sometimes these things are happening in just one or just a couple of school districts. And very often it gets reversed very quickly. Uh, but this was a problem. You know, he, he's right, I think, to complain that this book was pulled. He's wrong to say that to, you know, make it generic that all MAGA Republicans want to ban books about the Holocaust. It's just false. But here's some of the, the stuff. There's a scene in this book um, where the main character sees four Jewish people executed for trading on the black market in the story of this book. And it's a, it's a, like a comic book. It's drawn, right? So there are these four four people executed, and you see them hanging on a street uh, in a Polish city in 1942. And this is what the school board member said and why this book should be pulled. The school board member said, being in, in the schools, educators and stuff, we don't need to enable or promote this stuff, the member said. It shows people hanging. It shows them killing kids. Why does the educational system promote this kind of stuff? It's not wise or healthy. Now, the thing is, is I don't know, and you can maybe answer... Uh, from my perspective, but when you, or from your own perspective, or you can answer from my perspective if you want to guess, but, you know, at some point you got to teach your kids about the Holocaust. This is real. There is an increasing number of people who are denying that this happened or denying that it was as serious as it was, and that's horrific. Mouse, this book, nobody thinks it's promoting murder just by bearing witness to it. Nobody thinks that this book is one is encouraging people to 
kill Jewish people or other people, right? Uh, and some other people in the school board meeting pointed that out. This is something that happened. This is something that truly happened, and it's something that should never happen again. Now, there's probably age appropriateness. Do I want my five-year-old looking at that? I don't know. Probably not. He can't comprehend it. Eight, maybe too young. Middle school, I think they can handle it, and that seems to have been proven, right? So there's an ignorance that sometimes happens in this whole issue going on where we're taking books out. And it can go both ways, right? The, the, the book 1984 has been banned by both conservatives and liberals in different school districts over the past uh, 70 years. In fact, I read in New Mexico, there was a, a bunch of conservatives who banned it because they thought it promoted communism. And uh, it is absolutely anti-communist and anti-totalitarian, uh, that particular book. Whenever we're dealing with this, I encourage everybody to let's make sure that we understand what we're doing um, and just be aware that there there is a uh, – I don't know that the school district was a part of it, but there are people out there who want to minimize the Holocaust. And we do have to, I think, as parents be involved. I think parents should know that their kids are reading this book. Probably is to read it with it. It might be a good book. Like I said, I've not read it, um, but I've read from parents – uh, and read what parents had to say, and they think it's pretty good. So he might be right to say that shouldn't have been banned. He's wrong to say that that means that uh, people just want to ban books about the Holocaust. Southern California Live, I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and uh, we're talking about the different kinds of books that have been uh, pulled, even temporarily, from schools and why, and some of the politics behind it. And I'll get to some more of that here in just a second. It is Open Line Friday, so you can call about what you would like to call about. Or you can join this conversation. Let's go to John in Los Angeles. John, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, John. Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Good. I just wanted to ask a question. Why is it necessary? This happened at Cal State Long Beach. A women's studies class. The students had to view seven hours of pornography. Mm. Like explicit pornography. Yes, sir. Yeah. Why is it necessary? Yes. No. Oh, well, I would say it's not necessary, personally. Uh, that has been something going on in you know colleges for a while. In fact, uh, even when I went to college, I did not take the class, but there was a class, uh, it was called uh, Humanity 30 or something, but people called it Dirty 30 because that was part of the, the class. You know, and I, I think, you know, and I, I can't speak to that particular uh, class, and maybe they have you know some explanation for it. Personally, I think that uh, every college student knows what pornography is. Most of them have seen it. Most of them, frankly, are viewing it on their own. Um, it's a perverted class and a waste of your money. Don't take that class. Uh, well, that's does that make sense? Like I don't, I you know, I think that there is an obsession with pornography and the sexualization of of humans there's a there is a a reason for it that sometimes is the reason okay if you are and then we had a conversation about this yesterday if you are a college professor somebody called and pointed out how many college professors are avowed marxists okay uh and that was true even when i went to college uh, a long time ago and they were open about it and there are people today who are open about it part of Many people's view of how to pursue Marxism is to destroy the family, okay, and to destroy foundational thinking of sexuality. And that's what's behind, from an academic standpoint, 
a lot of the the push towards pornography, the push toward uh, the transgenderism stuff, is that it's not really about people or people groups as much it's as it's about undermining the family because that's what uh, Marx and many of his contemporaries believed you needed to do in order to have um, what they felt would be a better society. And so sometimes there's an agenda, John, that is not just the teacher's perverted, but the teacher has a political agenda and wants to expose the kids to it. So I don't know that that's what's happening at your at the Long Beach, but that's some of what goes on with that. And, you know, as far as what we're talking about, the, the controversies with some of these books, and we'll get to that here, is that they want to have pornography taught to little kids. You're talking about college students, okay? What many of the controversies are today and the, and the issue in the, under the Parents' Bill of Rights is why should parents have a right to pull, say, that sort of material from their third graders class, to which I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Why are right. we? And the reason we're teaching it down there is also uh, political. Uh, so I appreciate your question. I think that I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, John, for calling Southern California Live. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Edward in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Uh, my question is, um, when I was growing up as a kid, I was taught Santa Claus was going to bring me a gift and leave it under the tree. But then I found out that my parents was the ones bringing the gift. Is that biblical or is that something Christians should teach their kids? You know, should they teach their kids about Santa Claus? Yes. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask that question, Edward. Edward, did you feel like it damaged you? Like, were you, when you figured out or however you were told that there is no uh, Santa Claus, um, did that did that cause you to doubt other true things that your parents were telling you later, like about Jesus or about something else? Well, I mean, that's what I'm trying to figure out is 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 is, is, is Santa Claus and, and Christianity is is all of that tied in together, or is that something separate? It's a separate thing, Santa Claus. There there are things, you know, uh, Saint Nicholas, and there's you know a history where the character Santa Claus developed, um, but it's um, you know it's not connected to scriptures at all. There is no no relationship between. In fact, no relation between a lot that goes on at Christmas time and the Christmas story. Um, you know, I would encourage parents to, if you're going to do Santa Claus, to make sure that you have the real Christmas story grounded in the reality of Scripture and the world at the same time so your kids don't start to question other things. When they figure out that you lied to them about Santa Claus, sometimes they're really disappointed. Sometimes they figure it out. Uh, I think most kids don't care. Uh, most kids don't have a problem adjusting to the difference between childhood fantasy and the reality. But that's something I think as a parent you should be aware of with that subject. But, uh, Edward, it, it uh, has nothing to do with Scripture, the Santa Claus routine. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, Edward. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. It is Open Line Friday. The number is 888-528-2557. When we come back, we'll talk about another couple of specific books that were mentioned today and uh, why they were taken out of schools and whether that appears to be the right decision or not. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. When we talk about progressive values, I can say what my progressive value is, and that is freedom over fascism. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, time has expired. That was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaking against the uh, Parental Bill of Rights in Congress yesterday. And basically the argument from the left and uh, is to say that uh, the people who are pushing the Parental Bill of Rights are fascists. And, uh, you know, we use that word a lot. I, I, I think we do not know what this word means. Uh, is it fascist to say, I think that books that are pornographic should not be taught to uh, seven-year-olds and so they should be out of the school library? Is that fascism, really? Is uh, is it fascism to say certain books are uh, not age-appropriate? It seems to me that parents on the right and left agree on an awful lot of this stuff, particularly when it comes to young kids, and parents would like to have rights to know what's going on in the classrooms. I don't think it's fascism. I think it's very questionable that anybody would want parents not to have an understanding and transparency with what's going on in the classroom. And, you know, we'll maybe have that discussion another time between fascism and Marxism and what they are. At the end of the spectrum, they both turn out to be very, very similar. Totalitarian, they turn out to be both about power, they're both racist, they're both... Uh, end up with extreme oppression of most people except a small elite. That's where it goes. And when it comes to uh, family, you know, Marx believed that the traditional family was an obstacle to progress and freedom. And that was a lot of his argument in the Communist Manifesto is that the traditional family structure with its emphasis on the the man being the breadwinner and the woman being the one who uh, does the work of the home was a key factor in the exploitation of the working class and that the family unit, mother and father and kids, uh, provided a source of unpaid labor through domestic work, right, that was performed by the women and the kids, right? So you're, you are oppressing your, your children because they do chores around the house. See, that's kind of some of the idea. Um, we'll get to that subject uh, maybe another time. But it's interesting to me that that gets thrown out there. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. One of the things that I am following up on is Hakeem Jeffries brought out a whole bunch of books that have been temporarily removed from school libraries. And he makes the point, and what he's saying is that people on the right, he calls them uh, far-right mega Republicans, which apparently is all the Republicans. But uh, he says that they want to ban – he's trying to make the point that says, why are we banning these books? Earlier we talked about a book that was that's about the Holocaust that probably should not have been banned. And it was only banned temporarily, but people's arguments for pulling it out were, were not good. And we should be aware that there are people who want to minimize the Holocaust. The next one he talked about is this one. Extreme MAGA Republicans want to ban books on Martin Luther King Jr. Now, he says that, and this is something he's doing. There are not a bunch of people who want to just ban books on Martin Luther King Jr. There's one book, and he held it up, that was banned um, that is called I Am Martin Luther King Jr., I Am MLK Jr., written by Brad Meltzer, who writes other books, I Am Different People. So there's another one, I Am Rosa Parks, also got uh, temporarily removed. Banned's the wrong word. None of these have been banned. But they were removed, and it was removed from a school district in Pennsylvania and another one in Florida, both put back. But part of the controversy is that it took a year 
in the in the Pennsylvania case anyway. It took a year. And it was removed by people who decided shortly after the uh, the rioting in 2020 to assume that every book about uh, particularly people of color was potentially tainted with critical race theory. And so all of those books were not all, but many of them were removed uh, temporarily until somebody could go through them to determine this. Now, this is a kid's book. Uh, from what I read, once again, I haven't read this book. There's nothing in it that is dangerous. It's just the story. It's just the story of Rosa Parks. It's the story of Martin Luther King from a little kid perspective. You know, the thing is that is dangerous. And as I go through these books, uh, there's some stuff that I think people on the right have done wrong in this, and there's some stuff that people on the left have done wrong in this. And once again, this is about parents being involved in the education of our kids and what's important. And I think most of us Right and left, conservatives and liberals tend to agree on a lot of this stuff at the end of the day. Anyway, you know, when it comes to critical theory, speaking of Marxism, which it is, by the way, but just because you're talking about race issues doesn't mean it's critical race theory. You don't need critical race theory to talk about slavery or to talk about Jim Crow or to talk about redlining or to talk about black history or to talk about a whole bunch of stuff and many of which is very, very important that everybody in our country learn. It's American history. It's history, a lot of it. Um, and, you know, the, the trouble with the critical theory in across the board, not just the race theory, is that while it addresses some good questions in the area of race, it really does, the solutions that it presents lead to destruction and falsehood and division, and it's bad. And it's part of a higher agenda that really isn't about race as much as it is about destroying the foundations of the society we have to build some imaginary society that no one's really thought of. And it gets to be really destructive at the end of the day. And that's why it should be looked at. But it's a mistake to just assume that a whole bunch of stuff that's written out there that's really just history is somehow bad. And that that book probably should have not been banned at all. And maybe the bigger problem is it took a year, a year, One of the school board members in Pennsylvania said this. She said, what we are attempting to do is balance legitimate academic freedom with what could be literature or materials that are too activist in nature and may lean more toward indoctrination rather than age-appropriate academic content. To that end, we recognize the intensity of all opinions on the sides of these issues, and we're committed to making this long delay right. They eventually just put the book back. It could have taken them two minutes to put that book back. There are books out there that have indoctrination, that are that have an agenda that's being targeted towards kids. Uh, that book was not one of them. All right. And, and, you know, I think when you see somebody get up and say a certain group of people wants to do this and it's kind of generic, clearly that's political and it's f- a false statement. But it gets fueled when we don't think things through. All right. We should not shy away from ugly parts of our past. We should celebrate that some of it is, in fact, in the past and fight against it when it comes back or when you know people suggest that it wasn't there. But this is really – this is important. All right. Uh, another book that he said is the, the book Melissa. Extreme MAGA Republicans want to ban books on the LGBTQ journey in the United States of America. That book is Melissa. We talked about that in the second hour yesterday. Here, Jeffries is being deceptive, uh, and we talked about this. This is a book that is about uh, transgenderism. The book is not pornographic. It's not like Gender Queer and some others that have been pulled out that are clearly uh, books that little kids should not be looking at, that people on the right and left, um, almost all parents, probably all parents, frankly, 
once you see what's in some of these books. You don't want your kid reading it. All right. This book is is not pornographic in that sense, but we did talk about how this book is targeted towards kids who are fourth grade, nine years old and younger, and it is transgenderism propaganda. And what this book teaches is that parents don't have rights. Here's a quote from the book. She told Kelly, this is about a, a boy named George who is transitioning into a girl named Melissa. The book used to be called George. They changed the name to Melissa because apparently the Somebody decided that George was misgendering him because he became Melissa. Okay. In the book, it says she told Kelly about her bag of girls magazines and about her, uh, George's mom taking it. But that's not fair. Kelly was indignant. You didn't steal them. What right does she have to take them from you? Well, George said some sometimes transgender people don't get rights. This is a book for an eight-year-old. Okay. Uh, George had read on the internet about transgender people being treated unfairly. That's awful, I know. So the book has an agenda. The reason parents are objecting to this book is that it has an agenda, not just the transgenderism agenda, but the agenda that says, as parents, you don't have the right to take away magazines. We talked on the show yesterday about what you have the right to take away from your kids and you know how my parents uh, somehow were able to uh, abscond with the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Uh, much to my regret when I was uh, 10 years old or 13 or however old I was when I was getting that magazine. Uh, But my parents have every right to do that. This book is saying that you don't, and it also instructs little kids to go to the Internet and learn about transgenderism. That's why parents want it. So it's, it's disingenuous for him to say that this is a book that's not controversial. It's extremely controversial. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It is Open Line Friday. Let me go to the phones here uh, before our break. Uh, Stan, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. What I was talking about is that the Speaker McCurphy uh, should give context to why this bill was passed. You know, the FBI were calling people going to board meetings uh, terrorists. Yeah, in his his complete statement, he does give that that context. And also, he should have had the books out that uh, controversial, just like Jeffrey said. He should have had those uh, pornographic. Uh, yeah, you know, that, it's something it? that I find interesting that uh, Jeffrey's for two days has been holding these books up, and it didn't take me long to figure out which books are sort of legit and which ones are not. You're right, uh, Je- uh, McCarthy or somebody should have done that. And uh, just one other point, you know, they call all the Republicans mega Republicans. I have a term for the Democrats. I call them commie-crats. So <laughs> you know, it's a, term. it's a – I'm wondering if that whole thing is uh, gaining traction to just call every Republican extreme mega republican But uh, maybe it is. Maybe that's uh, hitting a note somewhere. Stan, thank you for your call and for uh, – Calling sure. Southern California Live. I got to take a break. When I come back, I'll get your calls. I see your calls, Ignacio and Donna and others. And the number is 888-528-2557. I got one more book that I'll go through too. And I think it also makes another point of what happens in the politics of this. This is a book that was banned by liberals who said that the conservatives did it and they were called out. And that also happens in politics. I'll tell you about that as soon as we get back. 888-528-2557. Southern California Live will be back as the Friday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Extreme Mega Republicans, even want to ban a book 
on Roberto Clemente and baseball. What's more American than baseball and apple pie? <laughs> was it uh, Hakeem Jeffries uh, after the passage of the Parental Bill of Rights today in Congress? He is the Democrat uh, minority leader, and he put up a whole bunch of books that have been removed from different uh, schools and school districts. In most cases, it's only a couple, right? And almost, and I think in every case, they were all put back, the ones that he's talking about, except for maybe one. And what I've been talking about is the different reasons why they were pulled, and, and sometimes it's a good reason, sometimes it's bad. This one, though, I think is interesting because we need to see the politics of what's going on. This book that he held up that's about Roberto Clemente, a kid's book about Roberto Clemente, you're right, why would anybody pull that down? Well, what happened in Florida is a particular school district, to try to make some politics of it, decided to pull all kinds of books and uh, it was people on the left trying to stir up problems for people on the right. There were no parents who complained about this particular book. Governor DeSantis actually weighed in on this subject. This is uh, uh, last year. That's politics, though. To be honest with you, come on. I mean, we know Roberto Clemente. I mean, seriously, uh, that's politics. Uh, I think these school unions are involved with this. Um, I mean, you guys can FOIA some of these communications. I guarantee you, you'll find some of that with the people that are doing it. Uh, so that's a joke, okay? You get something like that about a baseball player. First of all, I don't think parents are challenging that. I think they're doing it unilaterally to try to create an issue. Uh, but that can be resolved in, in about two minutes to be able to do that. And our Department of Education will be working, uh, you know, very quickly if they need any type of, uh, of advice on that. But none of these things, 99% of this stuff is just, is, is manufactured. Um, it's not what you need to be spending time on. Uh, we need to spend time on teaching kids the basics. And when there are things that are injected, that are clearly inappropriate, you know, make sure that we're, we're, we're not doing that. It's not, um, it's not rocket science. And to take months is a joke. It took months for the uh, school to put that book back. And like you said, it could have been in two minutes. And it wasn't parents objecting. It wasn't right-wing MAGA Republicans or anybody on the right. It was on the left trying to stir up a problem. And this is something we should see. And people do it on both sides, right? They manipulate problems to blame the other side for it that don't really exist. Uh, I'm glad Governor DeSantis called it out. And I can tell you, uh, when you have the books that the parents really uh, are, are concerned about with the inappropriate, nobody justifies it. Nobody justifies it. Once it's shown, we may do an event where we actually show all this stuff and put it on the big board so people can see it. There will not be one person that will stand up and say some of this stuff should be in. But that's so much different. You know, having like, uh, you know, young, young uh, kids in, in engaging in sex acts, you're going to compare that to a biography of Roberto Clemente? Give me a break. And that's the point that I'm making with a lot of this, is that the stuff that parents are objecting to, when you see what's in these books that are being given to little kids, five years old, six years old, seven years old, eight years old, no parent objects to that book being pulled out when you really see it. Not a parent on the left, not a parent on the right. It is something that the issue here, the reason for the Parental Bill of Rights or this kind of legislation, with all the politics, of course, that are in there, is because parents are being removed from these decisions because there actually is an agenda to put that kind of stuff in front of your kids. And that agenda is for real. 
It is built into academia. Academia. It's not all teachers. It may not even be most teachers at your school, but all it takes, like I told you, the one school I worked with, it was only the librarian who had this agenda and was doing it in secret. None of the teachers, as far as we knew, knew anything about it. Parents would discover it when the kids would bring home this book and show, you know, they're seven years old and you know, you're, you're weirded out by it or you're giggling to it. You know, and parents were incensed. Where did this come from? And the librarian's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And they finally had to go through the budgets and prove that uh, she bought it. You got to fight these things, and we can't make it about left and right, because I think DeSantis is right that when it's clear what is happening here, it becomes not political in the sense of left and right. That I think parents will agree. I agree with that on a whole lot of different issues in our culture today. That. And I say this a lot, that I think 80% of us, maybe more, would actually agree on a solution to just about everything. Homelessness, the border, guns, education, you know, name your issue. There is not too much where we couldn't find a worthy uh, place to agree and actually move our country forward. And I think we stop doing that when we get so political that it's all about our sides, Right. Where it's all just about I'm going to plant my flag on my side, right or wrong, my side and winning elections for the sake of winning them, not for the sake of making America better or making our cities better. This is something I think important for all of us. Anyway, I hope that's helpful for you in uh, looking at some of the politics with all of this stuff. We need to be the reasonable ones as much as we can for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, And it's because, you know, the truth when it comes out. And by the way, they're, you know, on these issues, we mentioned the critical race theory and stuff. It is okay to teach history. It is okay to realize that there are parts of black history in our country that were not taught for a long time that are being taught now. And it's good because it's true. It's real. And maybe it makes us uncomfortable or sad. That's fine. It's real. We need to know about it so we don't do it again. All of that stuff is good. See, the truth will lead to a positive agenda. The truth will lead to a true agenda for what is right. We need to have the truth. We need to understand what is there. We need to be able to shine the light in the darkness. And we can do that without shining the light, without just moving the darkness from one set of darkness to the other, which is what a lot of of this ends up being. All right, open line Friday. Let me get to a couple more of your calls here. Uh, Ignacio, thank you for holding. Somebody called about Santa Claus a little while ago. You wanted to follow up? Yeah, this is Ignacio. I just wanted to thank great job you're doing, Scott. I always listen to you going to work, oh, thank coming you. from work or whenever I can. But I want to say um, Santa Claus was a part of Coca-Cola when they had Coke in it a long time ago. And I also read it. It's part of paganism in the in a book called Fossilized Customs. Mm. Not only that, uh, the Christmas tree is in Jeremiah 10, and it tells you about it. Don't adore it and, you know, honor it and all that. Uh Jeremiah 10, like four through something. And one last thing, I just want to say, uh, there was a book called The Four Agreements when I was in high school, American literature. They took it out of school. It was from a man called Miguel Ruiz, and it was just a good book. And four good books of knowledge and ethics and, you know, know, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of removing books. You know, I think that we age appropriateness, though, matters a lot even with good books, right? right? Um, I think we should be able to uh, have things be transparent and talk about what we want to be like as a society. And books that are, that are just evil, like some of these books we're talking about, should never even get published. 
yeah. and it's because the society rejects the 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 notion. So children's books that are pornography, you know, there shouldn't be a market for that. That's the bigger problem, isn't it? Uh, the right. bigger problem is that, what? yeah, that there's an agenda and that somebody's paying for it. All right, thank you, uh, Ignacio, uh, for calling. Okay. Uh, you All know, right, a lot sir, of a you. lot of the traditions with Christmas and stuff, uh, you know, they come from secular things. He's right about Santa being the the colors anyway. Santa's been around longer than Coca Cola, but the Santa Claus with the red outfit, uh, it's Coca Cola. They designed that to uh, sell you more Coca Cola. Uh, Donna in Orange, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes. Good afternoon, Scott. Um, just to add to what you were talking about. Um, I was over at my brother's house who has two kids and he showed me an article that was online and none of the books that you're talking about were mentioned in that article. There were articles. I mean, there were books on young adult relationships in elementary schools and um, the gay flag displayed in the hallways and the classrooms. And he was very upset about that. But anyway, talk about something else. Um, you know, Gavin Newsom is going to purchase 1,200 small houses. Tiny houses. At the, cost yep. of, at the cost of $30 million. And, you know, but there was no mention as to where he's going to put them. I mean, where? I, you know, I think I, that I, there's, I see... there's, there's places that have been laid out for those. The bigger question is who's going to stay in them? You know, how is this really exactly. going to work, right? That's uh, when you get into uh, a lot of the homeless policy. The problem ultimately is that uh, Mr. Newsom, along with many people, they don't believe in getting clean and sober. Uh, in fact, the tiny house thing, I was talking to uh, a guy, homeless guy, who was talking about another homeless guy. And he was talking about how uh, they were given tiny houses and one of his buddies got a tiny house. Uh, moved in and then left the next day, got stoned somewhere and couldn't remember where his tiny house was and never went back. <laughs> right. You, you have oh, to get man. people capable of living on their own in order to provide them a place to live on their own. And, you know, exactly. we're just we're just going down a road of we talked about this a lot. It's an important subject. Uh, we're going down a road a lot of a policy that does not have actual humanity as its basis. We're just throwing money at a problem with the idea that, you know, if we have enough money, billions, hundreds of millions we're spending, billions we're spending. Uh, and the problem is just getting worse. I wonder why, because we're not dealing with the actual human problem. Uh, and that's a, that's, a great that's discussion. All right, Donna, I got to go. We're almost uh, done for uh, this hour. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. It is Open Line Friday. You can call about anything you'd like. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I take offense at our policies and strategies. Yeah, I take offense at a lot of those policies and strategies, too, uh, Mr. Governor. Scott Furrow here. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues in just a moment. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.